What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Curveballs and Chair Shots. My name is Brandon Tanguma, sitting electronically more than six feet away from me is my lovely and esteemed co-host, Dominic Hobson. Dominic, we almost didn't have a podcast tonight, but I forced you into do. I coerced you, but we do have a special stipulation. I am running. Un- I have an hour time limit. I mean, let's just say it was not best for business for me to be doing this podcast today, but you convinced me. Otherwise, I'm here. I'm under the weather, not COVID. I don't want you to freak out. Just my tummy hurts. Yeah, and I got a headache. Got a coast. Got a uh, case of the chili bowls. I mean, if I would be lying to you if I didn't make a big one before before this. Ooh. Ooh. All right. So let's jump right into it. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. So maybe Dominic will just leave early because we're talking too much about nothing. But we have some baseball news to talk about when we last left you we were headed into a game seven for the american league and we didn't know if the dodgers were able to extend it to a game seven but we bought two game sevens in both of the championship series the rays were able to not choke it completely they beat the ray they beat the astros in seven and the dodgers able to come back against the braves and they get it done in seven games dominic before we get into the actual world series and what's going on any thoughts on the championship series and how the rays were able to not choke it and how the dodgers were able to make the comeback the fact that the rays beat the astros i'm not surprised i know the the rays pitching is phenomenal at times well actually most of the time just uh i i was kind of rooting for the astros i think we talked about it last week that you know they're the team that you kind of, you know. I only wanted the Astros to win if that meant the Dodgers make it to the World Series, which ultimately did happen. So if the Astros would have won, I would have been kind of angry, but not as angry as, as I think some people were. Because as long as it was all just a proponent of the Dodgers making it to the World Series, and then eventually at the end, the Dodgers beat the Astros. I Well, it's probably going to happen. I mean, I feel like the Rays are the weaker team, but as we will talk about shortly, maybe they're not that weak at all. Maybe, maybe. So, yes, we have the Rays taking on the Dodgers. Currently, it is game three. It is tied one game apiece. We have the Dodgers right now leading leading the game. Six to one, bottom of the seventh. Walker Bueller, the star of game three, not allowing a hit. Through, I believe, five innings. We saw this in game two with Blake Snell. He had a no-hitter going into the fifth, but uh, the Dodgers take game one, make it kind of a little bit of a route. The Rays win game two. They jumped out to an early big lead. The Dodgers made it interesting late, but they were able to hold on to it. And as of right now, looks like the Dodgers will win game three. So, Dominic, uh, what was your thoughts going into the World Series and have any of it changed as we are three games into it? Pretty much my thoughts have stayed the same is the Dodgers will do Dodger things. It's going to be home runs. It's going to be big plays. I mean, Mookie, Mookie Betts is probably 
my pick. Right, I know it's only game three. It's kind of hard to have an M- uh, MVP, but I think Mookie might be my MVP pick. Um, it's really it's, going think, out on a limb there. I know, right? I mean, obvious pick, but um, yeah, I, it, I think the Dodgers are going to take the rest of the series, and you know, Astros aren't going to stand a chance. The Astros do not stand a chance because they're not playing in the World Series, Dominic. That would be the Rays. I meant the Rays. My fault. My fault, fam. There we go. So I would say going into this, I had the Dodgers winning. I think I was going to say in six. I'm going to stick with that pick. I know six games is kind of the easy way out. But I think we saw in game two and in game one, like this is kind of the way that each team is going to win. The Dodgers want to jump on that starting pitching. They don't want to be behind against that bullpen. And the Rays, they want to kind of get to that bullpen of the Dodgers. Because I think that's the kind of the lone question mark is how is that Dodger bullpen going to handle the Rays? And, I mean, thus far, the Dodgers have looked good. They, they attacked Charlie Morton here in game three, putting up five runs. Blake Snell was able to shut him down. Tyler Glasnow, when it wasn't exactly Tyler Glasnow, but in game one, if we can go back, we had Clayton Kershaw. He had a fantastic game. Now, Dominic, what is your thoughts on Clayton Kershaw and the kind of narrative about him having the ghost of postseasons past? Because do you think that he was able to get that monkey off his back or is he only going to be able to do that if he wins a World Series? It's most likely only going to happen if he wins. I mean, I what I look back to is someone like you, Darvish. I think he he had a horrible two. What what year was it that he just had a horrible outing? Was that six seventeen with the with the Dodgers? Didn't he give up like eight runs in the first inning or something crazy, like crazy ridiculous like that? Sure, why not? We don't do any research on the show. Exactly. I mean, do I? Clearly, I don't. But I just remember him giving up. He, great season, postseason trash. And the next year it was like great season, postseason trash. That that's that's what I always come back to when I think of these pitchers who, in the postseason, they just for some reason at certain points when they really need to be, you know, be the ace that they are, they're not. Um, if Kershaw doesn't win a World Series, he will be. I mean, does it hurt his value? I think so. Just to be that, look, you've been put in this position multiple times and you can't you can't help your team get there. I mean, granted, he's not the one batting. He's not the one fielding a lot of it. But, it, you know, it comes down to that. If you can't get the job done, you know, how valuable are you? So hopefully he gets that, you know, that championship this year. I've always thought that the postseason woes of Clayton Kershaw have always been kind of blown out of proportion. I always thought Clayton Kershaw... He's a good postseason pitcher. Now, is he Bob Gibson, Madison Bub Garner, people of that elk? No, obviously not. I think he is the Dodger franchise leader in postseason wins. Now, that is kind of overblown because he's been with the Dodgers for so long and has been in so many postseasons and stuff like that. But I do think Clayton Kershaw is a good postseason pitcher. Now, the, the I, question I have to bring up though, right now, you just brought up Madison Bub Garner. Who is the better pitcher though? Do you give it? I mean, Clayton Kershaw not- is a better pitcher than Madison Bumgarner, but it's just the legend of Madison or yeah, the legend of Madison Bumgarner in the postseason is just mythical. Like he's never got to buy anything in San Francisco ever again because of what he did. But Clint Kirsch, on the other hand, he is the most dominant left-handed pitcher of this generation. And there's really no uh, argument otherwise. Besides you. Dominic, I throw right-handed. Oh, and you bet lefty. Yeah, Dominic, you're such a good friend, knowing everything Ooh. about me. 
So you just switch on everything, huh? Mm-hmm. I swing mm-hmm. both ways. Woo! But, yes, Dominic, you did not give me your official prediction. I believe you're going with the Dodgers, but are you going Dodgers in five, six, or seven? You know what? I'll go five. Okay. Okay, this, uh, this is a normal schedule for the World Series. There are off days. They're going to play tomorrow and then Sunday off day. So that does help. The Rays what bullpen. you're telling me there's no days off? I mean, I mean, you're telling me that there are days off? Yes, there are days off, Dominic. Oh, I thought somebody said that there were no days off. Hmm. Mm. Darren mm. Young? Darren Young said no days off. Well, I was talking about didn't Travis and Tyler say that you know they play seven games straight? I don't know. Did they? That's what Tyler was saying. Mm. Mm. But, mm. anyways, I think that does help the Rays bullpen if because especially you know Charlie Morton Blake Snell Tyler Glass now they're going to be your guys they're not maybe going to give you the innings a normal top tier starting pitchers would be but with the off days that definitely does help the race I think as I said I think Rays will be able to get another game maybe not this one obviously but I think either game four or five they will win and then in the end the Dodgers will win now let's move over to the world of basketball. We actually have some news. The New Orleans Pelicans have hired their new head coach, and it is Stan Van Gundy, long-time head coach. Dominic, your thoughts on the hire of this defensive-minded head coach coming in to teach this young up-and-coming team? Possibly one of the better moves they they've could have made. I don't think thinking about uh, some big name coaches that are out on the market. I know he was one of them, but I'm trying to think of anyone else that are not players that could possibly come back and coach. So, I mean, possibly decent. I'm not a real big fan of him. I know I'm probably going to get shit for it, but I mean, I hope he works out good for him, but you know, I, I really don't really care for him all that much as a coach. Yeah, I'm kind of on on your side on this one. I think he, he's good defensively. He has a history of having big men succeed, and obviously Zion being the centerpiece of that team. Uh, he's had history with Shaq, uh, Dwight Howard in his heyday. I think Amari uh, – was he with the Mar starter? I'm not exactly sure, but he does have that kind of lineage of coaching big men, dominant big men, and I think with Zion, his offense isn't really the, the issue here. I think it's going to be his defense – and kind of everything when he doesn't have the ball is what we're going to be looking at. So is this like the best move of all time? No, I think you could have maybe gone and got, you could have gone cute and get some, you know, assistant head coach somewhere else. You know, I don't want to go on a race tangent, but maybe you could have hired some like young up and coming black coach instead of this old white coach who's been kind of, you know, in the middle of the road for the last 15 years, but he's a name. I think you'll get some, you know, progress from this young team, but I don't think he's going to be the guy to lead. He's going to be the guy before the guy. If this team does pan out. I was just thinking about the same thing that he's going to be like the Mark Jackson of the Pelicans where, you know, Don Nelson was a great coach. Just couldn't get to the next level. Jackson got them to the next level, but couldn't get them to the, the world, the, uh, to the NBA championship to the finals. And then Kirk came in. So I, I, I definitely agree with you. I think he's going to be the guy before the guy. Then overall, talking about the NBA, we just crowned the NBA champions, Los Angeles Lakers. But now we have to move in to see what happens next season, because at this point last year, we are at this point. Normally, we would be getting ready for the 
the regular season. The regular season would be underway at this point, but the NBA is still kind of up in the air exactly how it is going to be worked out. At this point, the NBA uh, Woj tweeted that the NBA is looking for a 72-game season which is right around the 82-game season that they normally do, and they would like to get this pre-Christmas. I don't know how that ends the how that would end the end of the regular season. I, I would assume it's going to end a little bit later than normal, you know, kind of like in July instead of June. But Dominic, kind of your thoughts on this early news of how the NBA is going to be working out next season? Yeah, it uh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll probably get what we need. I, I'm, I honestly think they should just take the season off, wait for COVID to uh, pass or whatever's going to happen in a couple of weeks, whatever happens, happens. But take the, take the time off. I think you eat, eat the money, come back, and start a full-fledged season next year. That might happen. Who exactly knows? Nothing set in stone quite yet. But let's turn to the NFL where we had some big – breaking news happened before the podcast started we get antonio brown he is finishing up his eight game suspension so it was free reign for teams to sign him if he you sign him he can play right away and now antonio brown it seems like he was leaning towards the seattle seahawks that was the team that was the front runner but like a thief in the night tampa bay comes and swoops him up signs him for a one-year deal looking like he will be ready for week nine dominic your thoughts on a b joining Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. I mean, do you remember the two quarters he did with, with Tom in New England? It was very good. Scary good. I can just imagine being, I feel like he's the, the missing link to Tom being successful in Tampa Bay. Not, not to say that the people that are there aren't good. I'm just saying AB is that missing link. If he plays next week, he, he's not able to play this week. It's next week, right? It would be in two weeks because right now we are in week seven. So his suspension week is through nine. eight weeks. So then it'd be to week nine. So in two weeks. Week nine. So I would say if he plays week nine, I would say if he doesn't put up impressive numbers or if they don't win and he, you know, he's the, the workhorse of the receivers, then you know he's washed up. I think more of the question mark would be his personality and the behind the scenes aspect of things, because I think on the field, I mean, last time we saw him, as you said, when he was with new England for that one game, he looked good. He was, you know, very fast. He looked like the old AB. It's not like Le'Veon Bell who kind of has these issues, but on the field wise, he just doesn't look the same. Antonio Brown comes out. Who knows what exactly is going to happen. I mean, he's been through so much shit the past year and a half, two years that maybe finally we can hope that he's gotten his shit together. But not only, you know, this suspension for this particular, you know, the thing that happened in the past might be up, but he's also still under investigation for some other things. So it's not exactly a foregone conclusion that he's just going to be able to play in week nine, or maybe he plays in week nine. And then the week after that, he gets suspended again. But I mean, it's just another weapon for Tom Brady. I saw a meme out there. That's like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing Madden ultimate team 2016 with Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, you know, and Dominic and Sue on defense and Antonio Brown. I mean, that in 2016, that team looks stacked, but who knows what it's going to look like here in 2020. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, obviously they're going to probably get a tick down in production. Don't want to go on a fantasy tangent here, but, you know, they weren't very productive. 
And I think now with AB in the fold, that's just going to make them even less productive. Or, or it will make them, yeah, maybe less productive, but they're more likely to be that, that two, you know, two, number two, number three. And with AB on the field, I think they're going to be more focused on AB. So Evans might get more looks because of the fact he's going to be open or Godwin might be this, you know, in the same boat where, you know, we're targeting a Antonio, but you know, if you're open, you're open. So I, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't be necessarily benching him. I would maybe look into the, you know, give him that one, that week nine, see what happens. Would you say Antonio Brown finishes the season on Tampa Bay's roster if they make the playoffs? Is he on? Is he playing for Tampa Bay in the playoffs this year? I think it just it's however he does the rest of the season. If he's good, he's good. Keep him on. But if he's just fucking taking up space, cut his ass. Hot takes there from Dominic. Now, from one old wide receiver to another old wide receiver, the Baltimore Ravens are making moves. They signed veteran wide receiver Des Bryant to the practice squad. Kind of, kind of curious exactly how this one's going to work. We haven't really seen him in these last few years. Just all of a sudden signs with the Ravens. The Ravens don't exactly have the best core of pass catchers. They have Marquise Brown and they have Mark Andrews. And that's pretty much it. Now, Des Bryan, we haven't seen him in forever. I don't think he's going to look anywhere near what he looked like back in the day. He was just kind of one of those guys, run your route, jump up and try to catch the ball. He's not a guy who's going to create separation like Antonio Brown. So this one is a little puzzling, not saying he can't work out. I think he could be like a nice slot guy and, you know, a nice red zone threat, kind of like a wide receiver tight end. But Dominic, what, what's your thoughts? Who know, I mean, he's on the practice squad, so we don't exactly know if he's going to be on the team in the next few weeks. They're on a bye this week. But your thoughts on Des Bryant with the Ravens? It is a great pickup. I think he... Yeah, you are you are hundred percent correct. I don't think you were. It's going to be Des Bryant of past, like you said. He wasn't, you know, meant he he was never an Antonio Brown. I don't. Uh, he's not an Amari Cooper, but I still think he's someone you can rely on in situations of you need to get you need to catch this ball and run it as far as you can. Granted, that is football. That is what receivers are supposed to do. But he's reliable. If he's healthy and he can do the job, I think he'll be a great addition. Right, I'll ask you the same question, Dominic. In the playoffs, is Des Bryant going to be on the Baltimore Ravens roster? Will he take a snap or get a target in the playoffs? I honestly don't know. That's a very good question. He, if he, he's on the practice squad, is he some? I really don't know. I it's hard to answer that. If if he is to take a snap in regular season, I think they will keep him no matter what. But. Then again, it comes down to like what I said with Antonio Brown. If he does take a snap, if he puts up numbers, I think he'll stay. If he's utter garbage and he's just a fucking vet that, you know, an old vet, and get him out of here. The Baltimore Ravens also trade for defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. He is a former Jacksonville Jaguar back when the Jaguars used to be good. He was traded to the Minnesota Vikings. He only played with them. For this season, so he's only played with them for about six games. Then they trade him to the Ravens. So the Ravens defense gets even more scary. Sucks for the Vikings because I, as I said, I kind of had high hopes for them. They're not exactly panning out too well, but the rich gear richer 
with with Baltimore getting the star D end. I mean, it it's just you know B- Baltimore's defense was always good. Uh, it's this the few little things on offense that need a tweak. But I mean, when you have a quarterback like Jackson, it, it's kind of hard not to be great. So I I think like you said, it's another weapon added to their already stacked defense. Okay, so we move on into the actual games. But before we get into a certain segment, we're going to review what happened on Thursday night. We had the Philadelphia Eagles defeat the New York football Giants 22-21. to The New York Giants had a lead with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And then what do they do? They blow it. The Eagles ended up getting the victory. This was a typical NFC East matchup. It was sloppy. It was not very pretty. Most of America was probably watching the debates, but degenerate gamblers and fantasy owners like myself were glued into this ugly shit show. Dominic, your thoughts? Eagles get a win. It didn't look particularly pretty, but in the NFC East, you just kind of got to rack up those seven, eight wins, and you're going to fumble your way into the postseason. I mean... Boston Scott, oh my god, fucking, he's on next game modes, bro. If it wasn't for him, I would be severely upset. But I digress. Eagles, like you said, I, I don't, I, I, I can't wrap my head around the fact that a team like the Eagles will make it into the playoffs, but a team that's actually decent, like the Raiders, won't not make it most likely. Like I just can't wrap my head around it. I think, I think they need to start doing some like random fucking you know division shit like you know this year it's these teams and next year's these teams you know like they need to stop because it's kind of bullshit it's kind of like the nba you have the east and the west the east is shit the west is fucking hard it's like they need to start you know fixing some shit gotta start fixing some shit i do think the eagles i think they're the best team in the east i know that's not exactly saying too much we're going to talk about the dallas cowboys and what they did on Monday night, but I do think the Eagles are going to end up winning this division and Carson Wentz, I think people kind of give him shit, but I think fantasy wise, he puts up the numbers and all of his pass catchers seem to be go- going down. Dallas Goddard is beginning to come back from IR. Zachers just went on IR. So I think maybe by the end of the year, we could see the Eagles get healthy and maybe be productive. Don't see them exactly winning a playoff game, but I do think the Eagles will win that division. Now moving on to everyone's favorite segment. I'll give you a pass, Dominic. It wasn't your best one, but you are a little bit under the weather. This past week, week six, was not our best showings. We both were over 500. Dominic goes eight and seven. I go nine and six, bringing Dominic's totals to 59, 34, and one. My total is 62, 31. And one. Now let's get right into it. The Carolina Panthers travel to New Orleans to take on the Saints. We get an NFC South matchup. The Carolina Panthers, you know, they they look better than what we thought they were going to be. But then, of course, when I try to pick them to win, they don't win. New Orleans Saints coming off of a bye. Michael Thomas will not play. He is out, not due to the high ankle sprain or bitch slapping or bitch punching a teammate, but rather a hamstring injury. So it's just one thing after another for (laughs) Michael Thomas. Uh, The Saints are able to get it done without him. Doesn't exactly look pretty. 
it is at home off the bye. Can the saints still get the win against a surprising Carolina Panthers? So this was something that I was tinkering with yesterday with my lineup in my hand. I'm going, if, if, uh, Thomas plays, I'm not playing Sanders as my flex just because Sanders ain't going to get shit. If Thomas doesn't play, maybe I'm going to start Sanders. I, Sanders is a decent receiver. I, do I think, I mean, I'm trying, I'm thinking of Carolina's offense. You don't have CMC. I'm like, I hate to burst your bubble, but I do believe isn't Emmanuel Sanders also out because he is on the COVID list. No, don't tell me this, Brandon. No, 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 no. Jake, check your, I mean, if you want to, you can I'm, check I'm your checking phone right, right now. now. I'm checking right now. I am going to fucking cry. I'm going to fucking cry. Live reactions of Dominic crying on the podcast. Now, oh, talk- he is son of a fucking bitch. God damn it. Okay. Well, I guess I'm uh, starting Mike Williams now. God damn it. Okay. Okay. But Carolina against New Orleans. Divisional matchup. I'm going to go. I'll still go New Orleans. I think. uh, What's that running back's name? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'm not a New Orleans fan, but it's like. He's freaking Kamara. Yes, Kamara. I think he's a beast. So I'll go New Orleans. Hot take. Dominic thinks Alvin Kamara is a good running back. I will go with my New Orleans Saints. I said beast, motherfucker. Sorry. Not beast. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Then we get the battle of the New York teams. We actually get the real New York football team, the Buffalo Bills, trying to get a bounce back win after losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. Didn't look particularly good, but they're facing, I mean, they pretty much have a bye week as they travel to New Jersey to take on the New York football Jets. Uh, The Jets, last time I checked, are a football team. Doesn't mean they actually play football, but uh, the Buffalo Bills will win. Hot take, I know, Dominic. uh, do the bills? I mean, it's it's self-explanatory. Do we really need to go over this one? Just just officially make your pick, Dominic. The bills. All right. Will you scare do you, your thoughts on what Josh Allen looked like last week against the Kansas City Chiefs? Is that do you blame it on bad weather? Is it Josh Allen regressing? Is it just it's because it's the Chiefs? Actually, thinking about it, part of me wants to change my pick to the Jets just because I know last season. Everybody, all oh, the Raiders are this, Raiders are that. They went to New York thinking, oh, it's going to be a clean sweep, and they got shut out like fucking 27 to 3. So part of me wants to change my pick, but I'm I'm going to stick with the Bills. Josh Allen, I think it was just a fluke kind of just, you know, granted, it's the Chiefs. They're the Super Bowl champions. They're one of the best teams in the league for a reason. So I'm not, I'm, I'm giving it that it's the Chiefs are just that good of a team. And I think, you know, he's you know, he's, he's working his way up to be that type of caliber of a quarterback. So I, I give him a pass, but I, I still pick the bills. We have another divisional matchup with the Cleveland Browns traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Both of these teams coming off of disappointing losses, the Browns trying to make a statement against the Steelers. They get their ass blown out. And then the Bengals, hold a 21 to zero lead. Sorry, Mr. X against the Indianapolis Colts. And they blow that. So two teams coming off a pretty bad loss. Who gets the bounce back win here? We did see them play earlier on in the season, Thursday night, high scoring. So could be a fun matchup, but uh, both these teams not looking particularly hot right now. I mean, well, what's up with every Cincinnati team just blowing balls, man. Jeez. Um, I think I'll go with the Bengals. 
I just, yeah, I'll go with the Bengals. I was, gonna, I was, gonna, I was thinking of Baker Mayfield and maybe it was going to go off kind of to, you know, show dominance. You know, he's the best Cleveland quarterback, but, you know, or get best Cincinnati quarterback. Sorry. Best Ohio but, quarterback, Dominic. Whatever. Who gives a shit about fucking math? I'll go with the Bengals. And I would differ from you. I will go with the Cleveland Browns. The Browns seem to do very well against bad opponents. The Cincinnati Bengals, they do not have Joe Mixon, so that will hurt them. And, I mean, it's the Browns. It's the Bengals. The Bengals did put up a fight on that Thursday night game, but I do think the Browns take advantage of bad teams, and that was what they're going to do to do here. Now, more divisional matchups as we go over to that putrid NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys go to take on the Washington football team. Both of us thought on Monday, Dallas was going to play for Dak and get the win against the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, neither the offense or the defense decided to show up for that game. They got their ass blown out by uh, my boy, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Andy Dalton looked like bad Andy Dalton, but they're going against Washington. So I think we're going to get decent Andy Dalton and the Cowboys will win this game. I beg to differ. I think Washington will most likely open a can of whoop ass on Dallas. I think Dallas is done for the season. I'm sorry. I mean, I would not be opposed to Terry McLaurin going and scoring 40 points because Devontae Freeman only scored 0.8 points, which definitely not salty about whatsoever. But moving on, we get the Green Bay Packers who come off a surprising Loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They jump out to a 10-0 lead, and then they end up losing just 30, I believe it was 38 unanswered points. They storm right back. So, Dominic, your thoughts going back to last week and what you saw from Green Bay in the Tampa Bay game? It was those pumps, man. Those pumps did Aaron Rodgers in. You never pump. And it wasn't even a real touchdown to get called back. Exactly. So it was a premature pumping on top of the fact that he pumped anyways, because pumping is, you know, you only bad. get, you only, you can get two pumps, but once you get that third pump, that's just way too much. There's children watching. Exactly. But I, I was surprised. I thought going into this matchup, I was like, okay, I'm not going to, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking it was gonna be a complete shut uh, shootout, you know, green Bay. Great. Tom, uh, Tom, Tampa Bay is what you called it. Tom, Tama Bay. What'd you call it? Tampa Bay. Top of it, whatever. Because you know, Tampa, Tom Brady. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I'm trying to do it too. But um, you know, I thought Tampa Bay was was going to put up a fight. I, I was giving it to the Packers, but I don't know what happened. Aaron Rodgers just just was not himself. And this, this is another guy that I don't. I I'll give him a pass because it's Aaron Rodgers, but he definitely needs to turn his shit around because his job's on the line. They got that quarterback they drafted. I think. They need to uh, he needs to really tone tone down and really figure out what's making him fuck up so bad. I do not think Brandon Love will take over Aaron Rodgers starting position this year. I think Aaron Rodgers job is safe. But that being said, we saw once again that that Green Bay defense, the run, the run defense is just not very good. That's exactly what happened in the NFC championship game against the 49ers. We saw that against the of Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Ronald Jones. And it looks like the Houston Texans are going to try to do that same thing. So yes, Green Bay going against the Houston Texans. The Texans should have beat the future AFC champion, 
Tennessee Titans, but they end up not doing it. They go for two, trying to extend their lead to nine. They do not get it. Then the uh, Tennessee Titans come roaring back. AJ Brown touchdown at the end. They end up kick. They win the game at, at the end of the day. So Green Bay, Houston, both coming off disappointing losses. One close, one not so close. Both these teams, we thought this could be a really marquee matchup. Dominic, who wins here? I'm going to edge out with, uh, let's see. You know, Brandon, this game is either going to be a blowout for Green Bay or it's going to be a super close win for Houston. So I'm going to flip a coin, heads or tails. I mean, I don't know which one is which, so why don't you win? Heads never fails. Ah. I'll tails. I'll go with Green Bay. Fuck it. I will go with Houston for the upset. I think they got the offense to keep up with Aaron Rodgers. The defense, it's not exactly like perfect by any means. I think the Green Bay defense, you know, it was kind of overachieving at the beginning of the season. I think Tampa Bay was able to kind of bring that down to earth. And I think Deshaun Watson and that offense is going to start clicking. Now that Bill O'Brien's gone and kind of, you know, that bad juju is out of that facility. So I think Houston will pull off the upset and get the win at home. Then a possible shootout will be going down in Atlantic. That's normally what happens. The first game without Dan Quinn, the Atlanta Falcons decided to play defense. Who would have known? They beat the Minnesota Vikings and the Falcons can try to continue on that role as they host the Detroit Lions, another high powered passing offense. Dominic, is this going to be a passing clinic? Is it going to be 55 to 57? I don't know how that math no. works, but God, what no. is, what's going on here? It's going to be a shoot. I, I'm not going to say a shootout, but it's definitely going to be a lot of yards thrown. Um, I, I I will still give the edge to Atlanta. Um, definitely going to watch this game, though. And I will go with Detroit for the win. I did like what I saw from Atlanta. I did think that their defense was pretty good. Yeah, they give up some touchdowns and some yards late in garbage time. But I do think Detroit, they're not exactly legit by any means, but I do think uh, the offense is kind of humming right now. So I think Detroit will outlast Atlanta. Now we get a real fun matchup here in the AFC. The Pittsburgh Steelers travel to Tennessee to take on the Titans, a possible AFC championship Preview. Who knows what will happen? The Steelers take it on the Titans. Dominic, you know I got to go with my Titans, but who do you have in this matchup? I'll differ. I'll go with the Steelers. I think the Steelers are one of the best teams in the league this year. Steelers' defense is crazy. Offense is pretty decent as well, so I'll go with the Steelers. All right. I mean, we have seen that that Steelers' defense can get some points put up on them. I mean, the Eagles, they were able to put up a lot of points late, and I do think that Tennessee de- that Tennessee offense – can is better than the Eagles offense. And I think it's going to be fun to see what Derrick Henry can do against that front seven of the Steelers. Then this game was supposed to be the Sunday night football game, but because of some COVID situation that has been going down in Las Vegas, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will travel to Las Vegas, probably maybe Sunday, maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday. Don't exactly know quite yet, but Yes, the Las Vegas Raiders are dealing with a COVID situation. Trent Brown, their offensive lineman, tested positive. They had to send home all of the offensive linemen and safety, Jonathan Abrams. Uh, From what I've heard is the 
offensive lineman could possibly come back on Sunday as long as everything works out in the negative tests. So the Raiders kind of holding out hope that they can get their at least four out of their five offensive linemen starting. But this was going to be a tough matchup to begin with, Dominic. If they don't have their starting linemen, how much of that will affect the outcome of this game? It's going to affect it horribly. I mean, Derek Carr, I mean, let's face it. Ever since Al Davis, well, I mean, for the whole eternity, he paid big money for his O-line. So it's horrible having most of them gone. Is this going to affect them? Yes. Are they going to win? Yes. It's going to be a close game? Yes. So, so I go with Dom- Raiders. Dominic, Dominic, once again, going with the Raiders. And I will go with the Buccaneers. The Raiders seemingly, you know, lose all the games that they're supposed to win and win all the games they're supposed to lose. So that means they're probably going to win this game. Then we get some more AFC West action as the Kansas City Chiefs coming off their win against the Buffalo Bills. Travel to Denver coming off their win against the New England Patriots. Wasn't exactly the prettiest win in the world, but Denver was able to get it done. Kansas City, Denver, possible snow in Denver in Mile High. So I can put a little wrinkle in the game plan. Dominic, can Denver continue on this hot streak and upset the Kansas City Chiefs? No. It is the fucking Chiefs. Pat Mahomes is going to do what Pat Mahomes do, and he's going to throw touchdowns. All right? So I'm going to Kansas City. And I will go with Kansas City as well. This is the debut for Le'Veon Bell, so it will be interesting to see how they implement him. I would Are assume you, uh, Did you start him? Of course I'm not starting him, but maybe I should have started him because I would assume he's going to get more than 0.8 points. I just had to bring it up. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you. But yes, I will go with the Chiefs as well. Then we get some more AFC West matchup. Why the hell not? The Los Angeles Chargers host the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars thought they might have been a little better than they were, but now we're seeing the Jaguars do Jaguar things. Justin Herbert coming off of the bye. Can they continue to, you know, they've been losing a lot of games, but all those games have been close. They're facing much lower competition than they've normally been facing. Dominic Canley Chargers get back on the get back off the Schneid and beat the Jaguars. I I'll give it to the Chargers. I'll give it to the Chargers. I think Herbert, he is doing a phenomenal job. Uh, I've never been a fan of the Jags, even when you had Borles and fucking everyone else. I, I was never a fan. So I think Chargers all the way. I will go with the Chargers as well. Now, the San Francisco 49ers travel to New England to take on the Patriots. As I said, the Patriots losing to the Denver Broncos. The first time the Patriots have been under 500 through five games since 2002. Got a little bit of history there. Cam Newton, not particularly throwing the ball well. They want to establish that run. And if they can do that, then they should be fine. But they are going up against the 49ers, who I might have labeled that they were dead and not going to be going anywhere. But of course, they come back Sunday Night Football and have a very comfortable, impressive win against the Los Angeles Rams. The 49ers, I think, are going to be resilient throughout the whole year, the whole season. It's just a matter of time until, you know, you know, Kittle's not coming back. I mean, not Kittle, uh, Bosa. Bosa's not coming back, so the defense is going to hurt a little bit. I think Sherman is 
coming back, I think, or next week or something like that. But they're, they're slowly re- getting everyone back that would help them in the long run. Um, so I'm not surprised the Niners did what they did last week. And I think they'll continue on with that win streak this week as well. Raheem Mostert will not be playing. He has gone on IR. So Dominic going with the 49ers as Randy Arozarena continues his hot streak. And he hits a solo home run in the bottom of the ninth to bring it to a four game or four run lead for the Dodgers. There you go. Look at doing some commentary as the podcast goes on. So I will go, I will differ from you. I will go with new England to win here. Now the actual Sunday night football game, we got a battle of the birds, the NFC West edition, the Seattle Seagulls taking on the Arizona Cardinals, the Seahawks coming off of their bye, taking on the Arizona Cardinals who looked real impressive. I, I mean, I guess you can say impressive. They put up a lot of points against that atrocious Dallas defense, but passing wise, Kyler Murray wasn't very efficient, but he was able to put up big numbers and get the win against Dallas. Now, can they continue on that streak? Dallas and Seattle kind of one in the same. They defense, not exactly the best, but that offense is elite. No, 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 no. Seattle is going to, you know, what wait, a Seahawk versus a Cardinal. Yeah. Yeah. I, a Seahawk would beat the shit of a Cardinal. And that's what's going to happen this week. Russell Wilson's is going to throw everything over everyone and just right he's gonna be like 70 points in fantasy that, that's how well he's gonna do i mean there's no questions behind it i'm going with the seahawks randy rosarena ties the lead for most home runs ever in a postseason with eight dominic does he set a new record and get nine by yes. the end of this series okay okay yes, 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 yes. seahawks and arizona I was high on Arizona at the beginning of the season. They don't have Chandler Jones anymore. That does affect them uh, to get to Russell Wilson because you need to get to Russell Wilson early as the Dodgers get that third and final. So now they take a two to one series lead in the World Series. I will go with the Seahawks. I think let Russ Cook coming off a bye. They're going to be hot and they're going to get the win. Now, on to Monday Night Football, the Chicago Bears take on the Los Angeles Rams. As I said, the Rams coming off that disappointing loss against the 49ers. The Bears continue on their stroll, beating the Panthers. It is in L.A. or Inglewood, Dominic. These uh, Chicago Bears, surprisingly, in a decent spot. They're first in the NFC North. Yeah, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that they're in first. And you know, and I know you're gonna ask, can they upset the uh Rams? And I yeah, I totally see BDN just slightly, slightly beating Jared Goff. So I'll I will keep the Bears just because I think they're just slightly, you know, they're a hair better than the Rams. And then I'm trying to think of something fancy to say, but I can't think of anything because, you know, I'm not smart enough and I don't feel good still. I will go with the Rams to get the win. I think it's going to be fun to see that defense of the Bears to go up against that offense of the Rams. I think the defense of the Rams is a little bit underrated. I think they're going to be able to, uh, you know, collect some turnovers, you know, put some pressure on BDN. And I think if the Rams can at least be somewhat successful on a few drives against that, that uh, Chicago Bears defense, I think they'll able to get it done. Now the Thursday night football game, we get the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Carolina, Carolina, Atlanta, 
uh, it might be precedented on what happens in this week's games, how hot or cold they go into this. Both of them kind of below, you know, not exactly the best teams in the world, but I think it has the possibility of being kind of a fun offensive game. This might be the return of Christian McCaffrey, so that could be something fun to look forward to. I have been doing my best not to say I think this because, you know, I heard somebody doesn't like that. But I can't stop it. I got to say it. I think the Panthers are going to take this one just because, especially if CMC returns, he's he's coming back hot. He's coming back ready to fucking run the ball down everyone's throats. If Even if he doesn't come back, I think they'll just slightly. It'll be another close game. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of close games this week. So I'll, I'll still pick the Panthers. And I will go with the Falcons. I think, the, as I kind of said against the Lions, I think the Falcons defense is kind of, you know, getting it together, but they're still definitely not like, you know, going to be an elite defense by any means. But I think the Atlanta Falcons, their offense is much, much better than the Panthers. And I think when push comes to shove, Matt Ryan and that offense can get it done and, you know, really air it out or even run the ball because Todd Gurley is kind of starting to get his shit together. So I think that the Falcons will win this game. Now, before we get into the email, into the mailbag, I got, we have to do this one segment because apparently, you know, Travis, friend of me, enemy of the podcast, who exactly knows, he has asked, you know, he doesn't listen to the wrestling portion and he loves Pat McAfee. So when Pat McAfee is in the wrestling scene, if we could talk about it during the sports, so, you know, he doesn't, he can't hit, you know, so he doesn't have to go out of his way to try to search for it. or not listen to it. So Dominic, Pat McAfee is back. Whoa, 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 whoa. When the fuck does he get to dictate our schedule? What the fuck? Okay. Dominic, I guess you don't want to talk about uh Pat McAfee. We can save it for the wrestling portion. Yeah. I'm going to make his ass fucking find it. And you know, and you're not even you're not gonna fucking tag it, you're not gonna fucking bookmark it or whatever. Fucking Dominic, when do I ever bookmark anything? I don't know. I don't know. But you know, you know this one I'll allow it this one time, okay? This one time we could talk about Pat McAfee in sports and it's wrestling related, okay? Okay. So on NXT, we're supposed to get Breezango taking on the Undisputed Era for the NXT Tag Team Championships. And first off, we get Bobby Fish taken out. Then we get Roderick Strong taken out. So before the match was going to start, William Regal said, you know, Danny Burch, or, or I guess Kyle O'Reilly said Danny Burch and Northern Lorcan can fill in for them and they can be in the tag team title shot. And so they have the match. We have a masked assailant push Fondango over the top rope. And then we get a, I think we get someone taken. Uh, Tyler Breeze, Dick Kick City, pin one, two, three, Danny Burch, Oni Lorcan, you knew NXT Tag Team Champions. The masked man reveals himself to be none other than Pat McAfee. So, yes, Pat McAfee is going to be, I guess, the manager, valet, whatever you want to call it, for Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. Dominic, your thoughts on Pat McAfee's return to NXT? It is a, it is a fucking absolute waste of talent. He... I don't think he should be catapulted into a singles run or, or anything like that, but it is a waste of talent to have him parade down there with them too and just talk shit. And, you know, granted, yeah, he could be that type of manager, Valley, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, be the one that can, you know, take some, take some bumps and, you know, help, help them retain titles and, you know, storylines and whatnot. But I think he would have been better as a singles competitor and just thrown into these little one-off feuds and, you know, make your money, be a badass. 
Maybe this is where I'm at to disagree with you because I quite enjoy Pat McAfee being with Danny Burch and only Lurkin because I, I love Burch and Lurkin so much. I think they're talented. Now, when it comes to their pedigree and how people might view them, I think they've been underutilized so then people might not see them as stars. So you put Pat, Pat McAfee in there with them. That will raise up their levels. And I think after the Rich Holland injury to where I think that was – where they were going with Undisputed Era, they had to call an audible. Now, where was Pat going to be in all this? Who exactly knows? But I think putting Pat into this feud, having it be a six-man tag later on down the line or whatever, because I think Pat will wrestle again. Well, yeah, but the thing is how you just said it raises their their level, whatever you want to call it. But he's – I'm, I'm not going to say he's going to raise them, but it's, it's not really going to raise them that much. I mean, you're, you know, if they paired him with somebody a lot bigger of a wrestling, and listen, I'm saying wrestling star. I'm not saying, you know, he's not a big star in the NFL. I'm saying, you know, he's, he, he, he's had one match. You can't really say that he's really going to raise them up to the next level. I'm not saying, I'm not saying him in terms of wrestling and bringing them to great matches. I'm just saying Pat McAfee has a aura and a star quality about him because he's popular. So people will see him with Birch and Lorcan and be like, oh, McAfee's with those guys. He likes them. You know, look, they're doing cool shit. I like those guys too, or I hate those guys because Pat McAfee's being a complete asshole. Yeah, but then then you got to also realize that, you know, okay, someone like Travis, let's say, for an, exist, uh, for an example, loves Pat McAfee. He loves these guys, but who's to say that he's going to watch them wrestle and say, God, these guys are not what I want to fucking watch. Why is Pat McAfee with them? Well, I think Maybe. this is where we this is where we disagree because I love Birch and Lorcan. I think they're fantastic wrestlers. Okay, you love them, but what what about someone like Travis? What if Travis is a huge Stone Cold fan? What if he only likes that type of wrestling style? What how how are they going to attract someone like him to make them be like just because Pat's there? That's not going to be enough for a I think a wrestling fan or uh, or an average fan like Travis. So you're going to pair Pat McAfee up with fuck, you know, forget about the undisputed area. You're going to pair him up with Adam Cole just because Adam Cole is the top guy. Adam Cole doesn't need that. I'm not saying pair him with Adam Cole. I'm just saying you, you okay. What are we talking? Are we still talking about tagging or what are we doing? I don't know. You're saying, you know, that Birch and Lorcan aren't viable guys because they're not interesting, which is where we, I think where we're going to disagree but I don't understand what you're talking about putting Pat McAfee in something better, because if he's not going to be an everyday guy and wrestle all the time, then I think putting him in this feud with a different faction and he has his own faction. I think it makes a perfect fit. Now I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be the best thing ever. I'm take a wait and see approach, but I think pairing him up with Birch and Lorcan, I think they're talented. They can carry their own right in the ring and on the microphone, but Pat McAfee is, you know, just slightly more charismatic, but I think, People don't realize what Oni Lurkin and Birch can do because they really haven't had the opportunity to. You know what? I'm, I'm going to stop arguing. I think I'm going to agree with you on that for just for just just to shut you the fuck up. Uh, it's, it's all because you want me to shut the fuck up, not because we're only seven minutes away from our deadline, which means I'm going to carry the rest of the podcast for the wrestling portion. So, and I'm well, and I have to do Mr. X's questions of the week. So hurry up and throw me the song and do my jingle. All right, Dominic. So now that we're done with the sports, let's get into the mailbag, which means we get. Mr. X's questions of the week. Bum bum. And hoots. Let's start off and with friends because a... I do have I do have a uh, question. Oh, okay. Anyways, and do you friend. want do you, do do you want me to 
do mine for is you know i have a pair i have a about a seven page essay here do you want to do yours first or do you want to do mr x's i mean i guess i can do mine first so this is from i don't exactly know who this is i think it's like a burner counter of something so on fridays on the instagram you know i'll ask for questions and shit like that and so i got one okay so here we go after hearing about dominic's talk about what he thinks is wrong with the nba and how the game should be played this person would like to know how he played the game during his young basketball career because Dominic, young basketball star back in his day, CYO star for St. John's. How I did or how? What kind of basketball? Dominic, how, what kind of basketball player were you? I was running a fucking triple double. What the fuck are you talking about, brother? You would fuck around Jeez. and get a triple double? Hell yeah. No. Um, I, uh, if I'm going to be completely honest here, I was I was kind of like a Draymond. I was great on defense, not the best offensive guy. Um, you pull I, it up in the top of the key and brick in those open three pointers. Oh God, no! I was uh, I was more of a I rather pass it to somebody else who I know can you know shoot a lot better or can drive you know. But I my my job on the team was every time that ball went in the air, I ran to half court because I was back on defense because I was one of the better defensive players. That that's just how I I love playing defense. I love you know stealing it, picking them, you know. I I would average maybe like three points. You know, that's like it's usually like a layup and a free throw. I I was not very good on offense, but defensive, I was your guy, and that that's being one hundred percent honest here. And I never played organized basketball, but damn it, one week, one lunch break in Bohannon Middle School, I dropped twenty points and I blocked Alec Alif, a tall Filipino man boy. Because we're in middle school, but damn it, that's my claim to fame in basketball. I dropped twenty and blocked Aleph. Okay, and which one of these uh, buttholes from Trapdoor to Hell asked that? It's an anonymous question. I I can't I can't I can't divulge my sources. I don't know. I mean, you gonna divulge, or you ain't gonna touch t- taste any of the champagne, baby? It's an it's from an anonymous person. I told you it's from a uh, burner account. Just tell me which one. Well, maybe it'd be one of your uh, St. John's teammates. First of all, motherfucker, I didn't play for St. John's. St. Jokums? There you go. Oh, that's because St. John's way better. Uh, hmm. Maybe you ask this uh, St. John's person, did his team ever make it to the Dicey's? No, I did. Got eliminated in the first round, but I still played in the Dicey's. So we got some CYO beef right now? Bro, see me on the court, dog. Ooh, I mean, we're supposed to have this cook-off. I, I think we, we, we can just axe the cook-off, and we need like a one-on-one street ball. Nah, nah, we need two-on-two, you and me versus them two. Oof. All right, okay, okay. I mean, I will admit, Dominic. I want, I want full Dominic, court, too. I want full court. Oh God, my fat ass cannot be doing full court. Uh, but, uh, but, okay, L- hear me out, Brandon. I feel like you and me have the stamina to go a lot longer than those two. Because we use Roman swipes. Exactly. All right. What does Mr. X have to ask? Let me guess. He's going to ask about UFC? <laughs> yeah. And uh, all right, Dominic, just... you got these names. You got these names. You got them. <laughs> let's go. First of all, he says, Gertie things. Howdy. So, hi. How you doing? Uh, let's see. Well, the Bengals have done it again. They raised my hopes and dashed them quite expertly. A bravo. So. Sorry. Bengal doing bangle things, I guess. Lo, lo siento. Joe Burrow looks good, so there's that. For Anyways, 
Yeah, <laughs> four and a half. Anyways, UFC 254 is tomorrow, gents. I honestly don't know who I feel more confident about in the main event. The smart money would be uh, Kahib. Did I say it right? Or Habib. How's it? How's the case silent? Jesus. Anyways, but Gaethje has a heart that won't quit. Who you got? Good job, Dominic. You got that one right. I'll give you that. Attaboy. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. Um, who do I got? Go with Gaethje. Just because you can pronounce his name? Exactly. I do think this is going to be a fun one to watch. I will be watching this fight. I think it can go either way. It's kind of one of those, you know, the immovable force and the the unstoppable force and the immovable object because both these guys want to grind down their opponents and the other guy hasn't really been grind down before. So I think Gaethje does have a significant chance at, at winning and beating Habib. But for the sake of being different, I will go with Habib. And what is his last name, Dominic? Habib. Yes, I will go with Habib Habib for the win. Oh, oh. <laughs> I it's uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know his first name actually. His first name is Habib. His last name is You wait, what? His name is Herb, Habib. You fucked me up. His name is Habib Nurmagomedov. Oh. I was wondering what, okay, now okay. I for for for, for some reason I I thought his last name was Habib. Two more minutes. Come on, Dominic, okay. get to the questions. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, 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 oh, wait, you said you were going to watch this. Where are you going to watch that? Uh, I don't exactly know because it's kind of an, an awkward time. Normally it's at night, but this time it's going to be at 11 o'clock in the morning, so maybe I'll kind of stay away from social media and watch it on demand later. Okay. Anyways, uh, next is uh, how much of this year's Lakers team will remain will remain come next season? Uh, uh, the majority of it, I think. I do Don't believe you, so. I think yeah. it's going to be the core. I mean, as long as there's, you know, AD and LeBron, the, the team will make it to the playoffs. Exactly. Okay. Anyways, on to some wrestling stuff. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase the dinner. How much more can they get away with stupid shit like that before they say, okay, that's enough. Well, Dominic, I've, I said my thing on, on the, uh, on the other podcast. So I, before we get, you know, yanked off the air, Dominic, I want to know your thoughts on the dinner. I honestly don't care for it it was a little you know i understand jericho and aw they can kind of do whatever the hell they want because it's way different than wwe but something like that was just too for me was too much it was too over the top so 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 yeah i agree with you i hated it i thought it might have been like the worst thing and aw's done like i just didn't like it but i think the conversation people need to have is like whether it doesn't matter if this was good or bad but i think like as you were, I think this is bad for like the wrestling business. Like this doesn't attract more people. Like as you were saying with Pat McAfee, mm-hmm. I think yeah. if I were to, if I were to show this to Travis, who knows who Chris Jericho is and doesn't know who MJF is, and he looks at this, he's like, "What the fuck is this stupid ass shit?" This is why I don't watch it. Like I feel like yeah. people, like wrestling fans today, they only care about what they like, but they don't kind of see the forest through the trees and be like, "This is why people don't like watch wrestling." Like this is what people think of. Like it's just stupid shit. Yeah, they don't they don't see like the better part of it. They only see like this stuff. And that's why I hated it. Like, not only did I not like it watching it, but I think it does detriment to the wrestling business. Do you think this would have been something better at the end of this storyline is to have something like this, not kind of right at the beginning of it? I do like Elias had his concert. That made sense in the form of, you know, he's a singer. He does concerts and shit like that. Like, I didn't like it, but it, it made sense. I think you could still like do this. But you can form it in a way to where it wasn't like, you know, 
quote unquote spontaneous when we all know it wasn't like if you kind of advertised it like as them put it on a show or something stupid like that then put it on their own concert then i would have like a little bit more leeway with it but i just think like everything i still probably would have said the same exact thing that's not good for the business but i think the execution of it was just corny and over the top and jericho has gotten away with stuff like this but just this didn't click with me okay hate to see it anyways a couple more questions uh what are your thoughts on reports that vince doesn't care what fans think of goldberg coming back and being inserted into the title picture well it would make sense because vince doesn't really care about what anybody thinks it just matters about what he thinks so if vince wants goldberg well i guess vince has signed goldberg so he kind of has to use him if he's going to pay for him exactly so i you know it doesn't matter what we think at this point i think it's just him trying to keep him and roman like they want that to happen so i think that's pretty much the main reason in my opinion um let's see how long should a wrestling feud last six months max maybe a year if it's told properly i would agree with any of that i think if you have a really good storyline you got people that are inventive and and willing to you know try everything i wouldn't mind seeing a year but what i don't want to see is roman versus you know Braun Strowman for the seventh millionth time you know you being told right you can have this storyline go for a long time but you know just the same match with the same people every time is fucking boring so if it's told properly yes I can see it going a year but it has to be told properly from the get-go and I agree I think you can have anywhere from a show length of a feud to you know a year plus I think it just depends on how you tell the story you shouldn't put a cap or like say we're going to do it this way or that way just because this is the way it's supposed to be done. I think you can, if you're a good storyteller, you can tell a story in any which way. I think with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, they kind of stumbled across something really great, but it's not going to last that long. It'll be a month feud and that's fine. Kenny and Okada that lasted like, you know, two years or whatever. And yeah, it's new Japan. So there's not like shows every week and doing promos and stuff like that, but from in their little ecosystem, they can tell that long form story. So it just ranges. And, you know, and something that you got to, uh, you can, you know, pin it to is the Undertaker Shawn Michaels. That went on a long time just because it wasn't every day you see Taker and Michaels doesn't mean that storyline's not there. So, like I said, told properly, I, I think, like you said, year, year plus. Um, last but not least, probably one of your favorite, one of your favorite questions, Brandon. Is this team of Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans a one-time thing? If and if it isn't, will we need to find Vince and punch him in the head for breaking up the iconics in the first place? Yeah, I thought that was just so stupid. If you're gonna break up the iconics, at least give them like a if just give Peyton Royce a singles push because I think that's who they think is the better one, I guess. But then for them to but for them to break up the iconics just to put Peyton in another tag team where the whole premise of it is they have no chemistry, that was it just kind of senses that WWE was like, oh, we're going to, it felt like WCW in the 2000s. We're going to break them up because why not? Let's break them up and let's figure it out. Where is Billy in the first place? Where is she? I believe she's on SmackDown. I think that they are split, split up now. Peyton's on Raw, Billy's on SmackDown, but yeah, we haven't really seen her at all. She had like that little mini feud with Peyton where they had like a fight, but it wasn't like a blood feud by any means. So yeah, I, I, I don't know what's going on with Billy. Well, hate to see it. 
if you want to be like Mr. X, who is, you know, has his own jingle and we talk, you know, we answer all of his questions professionally, email us curveballncs at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at curveballsncs. Follow us on Facebook at curveballs and chair shots. Um, you know, ask us questions. Ask Brandon about his football career, maybe his golf career. Ask me about my baseball, football, basketball career, wrestling career, anything you guys want to talk about. It is open for business, but Brandon, it is past our deadline. So I will say farewell, Alvita Zane, to you, Travis, Tyler, millions and the millions of people. And we'll play later tonight, maybe, if I feel better. So, bye! Well, Dominic, as he leaves and you know gets over his illness, Dominic is still on the call, so you know I can't bury him right now. But you know that's why I'm just waiting for you to give talk me a shit. couple. Give me a couple minutes, and you know we'll just let it fly. But uh, yeah, so let's move on into the wrestling world. We talked about NXT before the question, so let's just continue on with NXT. We started off with Kushida taking on Tommaso Ciampa and Velveteen Dream in a triple threat match. Velveteen Dream having a cast on his arm, and he hits Tommaso Ciampa with that cast. That leads into Kushida hitting him with a belly-to-back suplex for the win. So Ciampa doing the job instead of Dream, which I thought was kind of interesting here. I mean, Ciampa really hasn't been doing too much since he had his comeback and he had that feud with uh, Scarlet and Karrion Cross. So... I, it seems, though, we're kind of leaning into Tommaso Ciampa and Velveteen Dream being a feud. My thing is, I, I feel as though maybe you could have had Dream take the pinfall loss here, protect Ciampa just a little bit. And if you are, I don't know if you're, say, Barry Dream by any means, we just have him take the loss. You can still kind of implement the cast and like use it on Ciampa, but Ciampa doesn't take the fall here. I, I did like that they are giving Kushida the win here. I think, you know, kind of establishing him getting the win. Maybe he leaves this feud and it just continues on to be Chompin and Dream. I think that could be fun. Maybe Kushida moves into the North American title scene against Damian Priest, which and it's kind of an awkward situation, kind of an awkward feud because Priest is a babyface at the moment. Kushida is a very undersized babyface as well. Maybe put him into the cruiserweight division, but then I don't know if you want to get Kushida make Kushida a little bit more than that. I think Kushida versus Finn Balor for the NXT championship could be a lot of fun. If Finn Balor is the champion in the coming day or weeks, but we shall see. Then we get Ember moon in a quote unquote squash match. She was uh, on the defensive a little bit, but for the most part, this match was to highlight or not to highlight, but to have Dakota Kai attack Ember moon at the end. So setting up Ember moon and Dakota Kai feud, I mean, it's fine. I, I mean, Ember Moon coming in, Kai is kind of that gatekeeper where, you know, she has the feud, she has the match, but then in the end, she don't, she's going to lose, which is fine. I think Kai could be more, but I think at this point, she's kind of like the female version of Tommaso Ciampa where she's going to come in, have a feud, and then in the end, probably take the loss. Uh, we get Bronson Reed defeating Austin Theory in a quick match. Theory gets on the mic and says, come back. I'm not leaving until you beat or until I beat you. And then what happens? Bronson Reed beats Austin Theory again. And then we see later on that Austin Theory kind of storms off in his Jeep, still telling the story of him being immature, you know, a young guy, not exactly having everything 
put together at the moment, but he has the tools that you can see that he could be something. But in WWE and just like in general, I haven't really seen the losing streak storyline be told like particularly well to where the person is going to come out of the losing streak better on the other side. So it seems as though we have Austin theory, you know, having a storyline around him and they're going to be doing something with him, but I just don't know if that's like going to be, that's going to benefit him in the long run. He's only 23. So he will have time to quote unquote, grow out of this, but I just, I'm taking a wait and see approach, but I just don't know. It's I think this would have been more interesting if there was a crowd because normally, you know, you keep losing. We see this on Raw and SmackDown. You keep losing. People just don't care. So it's kind of hard to gauge the caringness of the crowd when there is no crowd, when someone just keeps on losing. We get Legato Del Fantasma taking on Isaiah Swerve, Scott, and friends. Jake Atlas was there as well, and I cannot, for, for the love of me, remember who the other fellow was. But that other fellow was the one who took the pinfall loss here. I. Uh, I mean, it was a fun athletic six-fan tag. I was wondering maybe Jake Atlas gets the pinfall win just to kind of move him into that role to take on uh, Escobar for the Cruiserweight Championship. That wasn't the case. Maybe they're still moving in that direction, but, uh, you know, LDP getting the win, it was fine. Then we get a Gargano segment. We are with Johnny and Candice at the house. They are practicing their spins. They have a cute little uh, chalkboard, spin the wheel, make the deal type thing with all the different, uh, which I'm called the stipulations on it. And Johnny spins it. He gets buried alive. He starts flipping out. Candace flip uh, spins it. She gets street fight. She loves it because she's beaten EO in a street fight before. Then Johnny spins it. And then he gets uh, a casket match and he flips out again. I thought this was fantastic. I think this was the best Gargano family sketch we've gotten thus far. I, I thought Johnny Gargano was just fantastic in this segment. Now I'm not going to compare it one for one, obviously with the uh, dinner at Devonair, but I just felt like this was entertaining, but in the context of pro wrestling, you get it. It furthers the storyline. You know, you got the heels, one of them being scared and not liking what's going on. The other one, you know, it's the classic, you know, husband, wife, the, you know, one of them's happy. One of them's not. I thought it was just fantastic. Then we get Everize and taking on Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. Everize ends up getting the win, but we see Drake Maverick showing a mean streak. And Killian Dane took up, was appreciative of that mean streak. So Killian Dane starting to come around on Drake Maverick. And I've really been getting a kick out of this tandem here. A lot of fun. You know, it's kind of mid card, but I like what they're doing here. And I think the payoff, whether it's going to be, you know, them be a full fledged tag team and Killian Dane loves Drake Maverick. Uh, I, I do think it is quite fun. Then we get Casey Catanzaro taking on Zaya Lee. And Casey gets the win. It was just a quick, quick win for Casey. In the end, Zaya attacks Casey. Uh, Caden Carter tries to make the save. And, but for the most part, this was just kind of a backdrop to get Raquel Gonzalez to just lay them all out. She calls out Rhea Ripley, says that next week, you know, she's going to be her nightmare, Halloween Havoc, and all that other fun stuff. So, you know, we didn't, I don't, we did not hear from Rhea Ripley in on this show. But I thought Raquel Gonzalez, she came out, you know, laying out the baby faces in Zaya. It was fine. I think the jury's still out on Raquel. I think she's definitely getting a push because of her size. Promo-wise, in-ring-wise, I'm 
like still not completely sold on her, but I'm not completely against her either. I, I think this showing against Rhea next week is going to be telling to see exactly how NXT views her. I still think Rhea will win here, but I think Raquel is going to get her time to shine and they're going to put her over in a loss. Then finally, we get Thatch's Thatch Cannon. I absolutely love this. We've been seeing them in kind of pre-taped vignettes in the garage of Timothy Thatcher, but this time we had a live one. It was inside the ring, and I believe the fellow's name was Anthony. He was the man that Timothy was stretching. He was showing the moves and how the technique works and everything like that, and then Anthony, after getting beaten up and stretched a little too much he finally fights back and then they have a match a quick little like 45 second match in the end thatcher ends up getting the win but i thought this was really fun you know it was only like five minutes at the end but it told a nice cohesive story that's all you really want in something like this and that and uh thatcher i almost called him a thatch because you know we're friends like that i've seen him at the gym at crunch a few times i thought thatcher i i really enjoy his work i know he's kind of spinning his wheels right now in this thatch's thatch can vignettes but i think you know whether it's damian priest or finn valor or you know just another random mid-card feud i think he's going to be he's doing a lot of he's doing a lot of good work right now and i'm very impressed to see how much he's been used in nxt right now moving on to aew dynamite and this was another strong show i thought wednesday shows were very good this was uh they were built around the first round of the AEW number one contendership tournament. The first match was Wardlow taking on Jungle Boy, and Wardlow gets the win. I thought this match was phenomenal. I think we all know that Jungle Boy is really good and he can get catapulted into a singles underdog babyface, you know, eventually. But right now, that's not his time. And I think Wardlow, they haven't used him all that much in AEW in terms of like having matches, but I think every time he's had a match, he's been really impressive. And I think he's definitely uh, showing that AEW was right and to put him in this role and, you know, give him the kind of character build and the kind of spotlight they've given him. Now he's not out there having 20 star matches by any means, but I think for what he's asked to do to be the big tough heel going up against the lovable underdog baby face and jungle boy, I thought this was a really good match. And I thought it was a good start to the show. Then we get what I think was I think I'm going to say this was the highlight of the show. I know the Penta Phoenix match was phenomenal, but I really, really enjoyed this John Moxley promo. He responds to Eddie Kingston calling him a sellout. And I, I loved it because it was a baby face reacting to what the heel said, but he didn't like bury the baby face or the heel in the process either. He came back and was like, yeah, you know, I did quote unquote sell out. I, went and I was able to buy my mama house and do all these things with it. But he didn't kind of go the easier route and kind of the truthful route where it was like, they wanted me, but they didn't want you. So why are you better at me for taking an opportunity that wasn't even available to you? And I think that's just something that we see a lot in AEW is they don't, you know, bury the quote unquote lower level person. I think that's something we see in WWE way too much to where we see Randy Orton going after the indie guys and say, Oh, you cut your teeth and made a name for yourself in bingo halls. Why I was 23 and, you know, selling out arenas all over the country. And it just doesn't do the, the other person any favors. And yet Moxley was able to come out, cut a, I mean, I, he cut a promo, but it wasn't like the stereotypical, you know, in the ring or backstage. It was just a nice pre-tape promo. And he did another one of those very well with Lance Archer in the bar the week before that match happened. And I think John Moxley has just been fantastic when it comes to his mic workability in ring wise. 
matches aren't exactly spectacular, but I think he's definitely been carrying the torch when it comes to his promo work. Moving on to the another number one contender tournament match, we get Kenny Omega, who's supposed to take on Joey Janela, but unfortunately, uh, he was in contact with people who tested positive for COVID. I believe this was connected to him being at the GCW events that happened in these pa- a couple weeks ago. People have tested positive for COVID, so just out of precautions you know take him off the show and omega comes out he has a brand not exactly a brand new look but kind of a brand new attitude i guess justin roberts rambles off all these achievements and all these melter awards that kenny omega has and then he comes out hits a v trigger on sunny kiss pins him one two three and that's it that was the match five seconds boom kenny just has like this smug look on his face and then at the end of it he's kind of insincerely sincere and trying to hold up Sonny and, you know, raise his hand and be like, Oh, look, you know, good job guys. You know, give it up for this loser who I just destroyed in five seconds, blah, blah, blah. blah. So we're seeing, I guess, like the next step in the Kenny Omega character. I would love to see him cut a promo and kind of talk about his attitude and what's going on with the entrance and everything like that. We saw him being the elite that he said he was going to be different and, you know, not be the funny guy anymore, which is fine, but I kind of wish we got a little bit more of that in the dynamite realm of kind of the storytelling, the evolution of Kenny Omega. But we're going to have to wait and see. Now, the highlight in ring was Ray Phoenix taking on Pentagon. I mean, what can I say about this match? This was just phenomenal. Both these guys have wrestled probably hundreds of times, if not thousands. These guys uh, were fantastic, and this probably wasn't even the best match they've ever had. But that being said, it was really good. The ending was kind of scary. Uh, we get uh, Ray Phoenix kind of landed on his head visibly. You know, he was kind of shaking up. You could see Pentagon trying to talk to him. The uh, I think it was Aubrey trying to talk to him. But at the end, Phoenix was able to kind of shake off the cobwebs or, you know, do whatever he had to do. Gets the win. And it was just a phenomenal match. Now, unfortunately, Phoenix will not wrestle Kenny in the next round because the match was taped on Thursday, the day after uh, dynamite so uh, they tape this on thursday and they have announced that pentagon will fill in for phoenix and take on kenny omega in that semifinal match now what does that mean is it going to be a, I, I would assume kenny's going to win regardless kenny was going to win regardless i don't know how they're going to frame it how exactly the match will go now i was kind of hoping for a, a really good kenny omega joey janela match in the end kenny was going to win it was probably gonna be kind of short now with Pentagon kind of little step up above Sunny Kiss and Joey Janela, does Kenny still kind of just run through Pentagon? I th- I would think it's going to be still under, I don't know if I'd say under 10 minutes, maybe like 10 to 12, maybe a commercial break in the middle. But I think it's going to be a fun match and I can't wait to see what they do. Continuing on with the tournament, Hangman Page defeats Cole Cabana. I thought this was, you know, out of the three quote-unquote normal matches, kind of taking out Kiss and Omega. I think this was probably the weakest, but I still think it was a good match. Uh, you know, 10 minutes, they are able to go out there and do what they do. Hangman, not particularly, you know, inspired or kind of, you know, over the top like he was in the early in the early stage of the year where he was just on fire. But we're just, I think we're just going to have to wait for the finals when it's ultimately Kenny versus Hangman, and there's going to be a big payoff on that end. We get Taz cutting a promo on the stage with Brian Cage and Tony Stark. Ricky Stark, not Tony Stark. That's uh, Tony Stank. 
one might say. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I thought it was fantastic. I thought Taz did a good job, you know, kind of spinning their wheels, kind of talking about how Darby gets this opportunity against Cody at, at uh, or at the TNT Championship, rather, at full gear. But Ricky doesn't. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just good, solid heel work by Taz and Ricky Cage, kind of just standing there looking menacing like he always does. Uh, then we get uh, Le Dinner de Bonaire. Me and Dominic already kind of talked about that. I just thought I didn't enjoy it, and I think it also does uh, – a detriment to the business and how people on the outside look at it. So we get Britt Baker in a squash match. Nothing really to say there. Then in the main event, we have the fatal four-way number one contendership, Butcher Blade and the Bunny, which the whole bunny thing, hey, it just doesn't make any sense. And it's kind of been told on dark, but even there it's like, okay, why did Bunny leave in the first place to go with QT? And now she's leaving QT to be with the Butcher and Blade and, it's just kind of a jumbled mess over there, so I just don't want to really get into it. We had John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Uh, we had Private Party as well as the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks end up getting the win. Uh, the other kind of story in this match was, unfortunately, Alex Reynolds. He was knocked out pretty visibly. And once again, uh, the kind of protocol, I don't know if it's a protocol or just kind of the reaction to these things once again wasn't very good i mean alex reynolds was visibly knocked out uh we get the butcher dragging him to the corner and tagging him out so once again we kind of get a live you know unconscious man on on tv from AEW, and they didn't exactly handle it quite well so maybe just something to look out for and for AEW to improve upon at the end of the day the young bucks get the win and we get FTR, who was on commentary, attack the Young Bucks. And we had this masked assailant attack the Young Bucks with a chair. And who was it? Oh, my goodness. It was Tully Blanchard. Who would have thought? Now, I think just everything surrounding the Young Bucks has not been very good thus far. They are telling the story of them being heels and being petulant childs of breaking people's phones and kicking unsuspecting people. And then they just randomly come out, and we know FTR heels. That's been firmly established. The Young Bucks, I guess, have been firmly established as heels. But then at the end of the day, during the, at the end of this match, we get FTR just beat them down, attack them, lay them out. And is that supposed to create sympathy for the Young Bucks, even though the Young Bucks have been assholes for like the past month and a half? Yeah, I know the Young Bucks are kind of like the top-tier tag team on the roster, but like, why do I care? That I... I, I don't know if this is like the plan for the beginning, if this is an audible, but it's just, I, I'm not liking what I'm seeing from the young bucks. And I don't know if this is like the young bucks idea. And we're kind of seeing that maybe all those times with the young bucks, you know, in being the elite, it was fine. But now that we're seeing them on kind of a, a major stage and kind of having to plan these type of things out in the ring, maybe the, the uh, Need, need some other people, need some more people vetting their ideas. I think Cody, he added, if we're going to pick out of the EVPs, I think Cody by far has had the best ideas because Cody is, you know, consistently been, I think, on the best stuff on AEW. I don't think we've really seen Cody have like a bad story thus far. Now, the Young Bucks and Kenny, on the other hand, I, I wouldn't say they have bad stories. You just kind of have like inconsistent stories. All right, moving on to WWE. Just going to quickly go over Raw. And very similarly, to kick off Raw, we have The Fiend and Alexa Bliss, I, I guess, making their debuts, even though I guess they're on Raw last week, even though they weren't drafted yet. I, 
it's a whole thing. But anyways, I guess they were drafted, but this was the season premiere, so I guess it doesn't kick in. Not going to think about the draft too much. Uh, But we get the Fiend and Alexa Bliss. They come out. Retribution goes to try to attack them, but then the Fiend and Alexa do a little mystery act and they disappear. The Hurt Business is there as well. Uh, We get a six-man tag between the Hurt Business and Retribution. I thought this was like some big thing that they're going to be planning towards, but no, we just kind of get it thrown together on Raw. Uh, T-Bar, who is Dominic Dejakovic, I believe taps out. So, you know, great on him, really pushing him hard. And then at the end, we get the Fiend attacking Retribution. So Retribution are the heels, obviously, going and attacking the Hurt Business, which are heels, but they're paid by the corporation that Retribution says is corrupt and terrible to beat up on Retribution. And now the Fiend, who's like this devil creepy person who's like attacking you know, unsuspecting people and, you know, nightmare fuel. He, he's attacking Retribution, but not the Hurt Business. We have like three different heel factions going up against each other. Who am I supposed to care about? Who am I supposed to be rooting for in this situation? Very similar to the Young Bucks and FTR. There's so many heels that I'm not, why am I going to care about all these people feuding with each other? I don't know. It's a jumble mess. Let's just move on. Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre close out Raw. Randy Orton sitting inside the lovely red painted hell in a cell. Cuts a promo, you know, just talking about Randy Orton things. Drew McIntyre comes down, slams the door. They almost, I mean, I guess they kind of face off, but they kind of tease that there's going to be a fight. But then they fade to black, and I'm just kind of ready for this feud to be over. It's running on fumes at this point. And we're going to, we'll get into the Hell in a Cell predictions in a bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, at, at this point it was fine. We've seen it so many times from Randy, so nothing really too special there. Uh, we get AJ Styles taking on Matt Riddle. AJ has a new bodyguard, a new friend. He was the doorman for Raw Underground, RIP. But uh, yeah, he doesn't have a name at this point. He's just kind of the big dude behind AJ Styles. Styles goes up against Riddle. AJ Gets the win kind of clean, I guess. Riddle kind of, you know, stares down the big dude, and then he gets just kind of distracted by that, and AJ hits him with the Styles Clash. So, once again, another distraction finish for WWE. Absolutely love to see it. I think AJ is on on his way to face off against uh, Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. So, I think it's kind of, maybe it's one of those Vince things to where he, even though AJ has been successful in the company for so many years, he still feels that AJ is too small to be credible against a guy like Drew. So, he needs to have a big muscle guy behind him. We shall see about that. Uh, Speaking of big muscle guys, Braun Strowman takes on Keith Lee. And Braun Strowman defeats Keith Lee. Now, Keith Lee has been on the main roster since SummerSlam, or I guess after SummerSlam, and yet he still hasn't really had any substantial feuds. He's done really done anything, but yet he goes up against Braun Strowman, and Braun Strowman takes him to headbutt Dick City and gets the win. And then Keith Lee takes Braun Strowman to Dick Kick City and stands tall and yells at him. So is Braun Strowman like a heel now because he kind of accidentally hit Keith Lee in the dick took advantage of that. I, I don't know, but yeah, Keith Lee takes the loss here. So I guess it's, I mean, I guess he's lost before in like kind of shitty ways, but I mean, two months in and Keith Lee finally takes his first loss. I guess that's a net positive. Yay. 
you just got to take your wins where you can get them. And then finally, the Elias concert. I kind of already talked about it with Dominic. It was not that great, but at least kind of in the ecos in the atmosphere, atmosphere, ecosphere, altitude. I don't know. Anyways, uh, you know, it's Elias. He'll sing and he'll dance and he'll get interrupted. And he got interrupted by Jeff Hardy. And that's what happens. Speaking of Elias and Jeff Hardy, they are on the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Now, at the moment, I only have about four matches in front of me. So I'm going to be going to the Wikipedia page to see if we have any updated matches. And uh, we have five. Look at that. We have an extra one. Boom. So uh, we get Jeff Hardy taking on Elias in a regular singles match. And they have a little bit of a storyline going on. Elias blames Jeff Hardy for running him over, even though Jeff Hardy says it wasn't him. I'm going to go with Jeff Hardy. I think this isn't going to be a clean win. I think we're going to get like Elias hitting him with the guitar, but he's going to get disqualified. So Jeff Hardy for the win on this one. Now, this match was just added on SmackDown, I believe. We get Otis with Tucker taking on The Miz with John Morrison in a singles match for the Money in the Bank contract. Yes. I haven't exactly loved what The Miz and Morrison have been doing for uh, quite a long time. Otis, I did kind of get a chuckle out of, uh, I'm forgetting what his name is, but, you know, Otis comes in under a mask. He's with Tucker on Raw, even though Otis is not supposed to be on Raw. So we get the heel saying that's Otis, but he's not Otis. And, you know, just the whole kind of song and dance, and I kind of got a kick out of that. Uh, I'm going to go with... <sighs> I, I'm going to go with the Miz to win just because at the moment, like I just don't see Otis with that money in the bank contract. Like, what are you going to do with him? Like he's on SmackDown right now. So is he going to go and face Roman Reigns? I mean, I guess you can do that. I, I mean, I think regardless, whoever has the contract isn't going to win the championship, obviously, but I feel like if you have Miz with the money in the bank briefcase, you can do a little bit more like in terms of storytelling and, kind of believability. I I just feel like no matter which person holds a contract, it's not really a a good direction and like a credible threat to the champion. So I guess I'm gonna go with Miz for why not? It's the Miz, sure, I guess. But I wouldn't be shocked if Otis wins as well. So we get uh our Hell in a Cell matches. We get uh Bailey the champion taking on Sasha Banks in a Hell in a Cell match for the SmackDown women's championship. Sasha Banks finally got Bailey to sign that contract after forcing her by like choking around with the, with the chair. And uh, yeah, Sasha Banks has been in all of the women Hell in a Cell matches, even though she has not won one yet. And I believe that trend will continue. Bailey will win against Sasha. I know it's kind of a Charlie Brown trying to kick the football type of thing, but I think WWE likes fucking with Sasha. And giving her these kind of losing streaks because it's Vince and they be petty like that. So Bailey winning the opening match, not the opening match of the show, but the opening match of the feud in a Hell in a Cell because that makes sense. Now we get, uh, so we, yeah, we have three Hell in a Cell matches, I believe. We get Drew McIntyre taking on Randy Orton in Hell in a Cell for the WWE Championship. As I said, this feud is running on fumes at this point. Just end it. And if Randy Orton wins, I would assume this means we're going to get another one. So please, God, no. Just give Drew McIntyre the win so we can move on with our lives and never see a Drew McIntyre-Randy Orton title match ever again. And in what I would consider 
the main event. We don't have a dominant here to do the gimmick. Roman Reigns taking on Jay Uso in a Hell in a Cell I Quit match for the WWE Universal Championship. Once again, Roman Reigns, I think, is the best thing going on in WWE and SmackDown in general, obviously. I think what they've been doing with Jay, they've been getting a lot out of him. I, I love you know the way he comes across and the things that they've been doing. I think Roman is just coming across as an absolute dick, and I love it. This match is going to be good. Obviously, Roman is going to win. I think he's going to have to make Jay say he's a tribal chief, and that's going to be the way we sign off. So that'll do it for me for today. And Dominic. Dominic uh, is left. Let's see, I 30 minutes? 35 minutes by myself. Look at that. Who needs Dominic? I can do it all by myself. I forgot. If you've stuck around this long, then you get the special promo code, which you should know by now because we've plugged it every single week. We forgot to do Dominic's picks sponsored by or partnered with Raise Energy. If you want to get your case of free energy, you can get a free four pack. All you got to do is pay 10 bucks for shipping and handling. Go to raiseenergy.com. That is R-A-Z-E-E-N-E-R-G-Y.com. And if you like what you just taste, Go to repsports.com, R-E-P-P-S-P-O-R-T. Is it rep sports? Rep sport. I don't know. Just type it in the Google machine and figure yourself out. If you like some raise energy, go to repsports.com. Put in promo code CBCS at checkout. Give us 15%. And on, honestly, just between you and me, because Dominic is going to listen to this one, you, uh, you know, buy some raise energy drinks So because we get a commission. We'll get a little cut back cuck back we'll get a cuck back there you go and uh dominic gets a little bit of that money back so how about your boy dominic and go buy some raise energy cbc as a checkout 15 percent off and we also get a little bit of cut at least dominic will get a little bit of a cut so there there you go and until next time my name is brandon tanguma dominic was dominic hobson was with me but then he had to leave because the studio audience gave us a strict hour deadline and of course we went over that uh, for the studio audience, for the little dog, the big dog, this, the mascot, and everybody in between, this has been Curveballs and Share Shots. If you have any questions, go to curveballandcs at gmail.com. Go to the Twitter and the Instagram, Curveballs, with an S, Curveballs, and CS, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Curveballs and Share Shots. Spell it out completely. You'll see us. We're on the socials. Don't forget to check out Points and Doinks. Every Tuesday, your fantasy football questions will be answered. Me and Travis going up against each other this week as I bitched and complained during the football segment. I started Devontae Freeman, only got a whopping 0.8 points. And now also Jamison Crowder is questionable, as well as DJ Chark and Robert Woods. So your boy is hurting right now. Might have to pick up some Traquan Smith, but now that Dominic has just found out that Emmanuel Sanders got the Rona, he might have to go pick up Traquan Smith. So that's going to be a little interesting there on the waiver wire. So thank you all very much for tuning in. Goodbye and good night. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs>